Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Hey there, Dan Amos here from the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Everybody loves a good race. But the next day, we're not talking about the first lap or the first few minutes. We're usually talking about the end, that moment when the finish line is crossed. And today, Pastor Hank is going to take a look at why Paul says that finish line is so important with the race of carrying out a life of testimony. We hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for the listen. So this is actually going to be a two-part sermon. I was going to preach half of it this morning and the rest tonight. Well, since we're not going to be here tonight, here's what I encourage you to do. Buckle your seatbelts. We about to roll. Y'all all right? So here we go. Three different sections. I don't usually preach topically, but I'm preaching topically today. Uh, just because once we got into this thing of, that I've been dealing with the past couple weeks, hey, and turn to your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 9. I'll let you go ahead and get there. 1 Corinthians 9 as you're turning. So I preached about two, um, three weeks ago now <clears throat> about biblically being born again. There's a lot of questions about what it takes to be born again. And friends, you can, you can fool yourself into saying, well, I've been saved or I've, been, I've done this, but until you know that you've been biblically born again, the way the Bible says it. You guys with me? By water and by spirit, you're not going to heaven. We don't get to go just because we're good folk, okay? And let me argue that point for a second. The Bible says there's none good, no, not one. So you don't get in on that. You don't get in on being a member of Marian Baptist Church or any other church. You get in by being blood-bought, blood-washed, Jesus-forgiven, acceptance of Him. That's it. You, you don't get there no other way. Unless you're biblically born again. So then last week I talked about as a result of being born again, and we all have a testimony. Everybody. So then last week I talked about that. We talked about the conversion of Saul and his testimony that's there in Acts chapter 8. So Monday I go in and I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to go back to Hebrews, and I'm going to just start back to Hebrews a little bit. <clears throat> in my prayer time Monday, I'm like, no, because I know I'm not going to be here this week. So here's just an FYI to, I'm not going to be here next week. The following week, literally, Bruce Crowderfield will be here. I'll be in the old sanctuary preaching to about 75 youth for Connect Weekend. So there's going to be two services going on on this campus at one time in two weeks. So just know that. So Bruce will be here then. Then I'll be back that Sunday night. <clears throat> and so I'm like, man, I don't, you know, I'm going to be gone in a couple weeks. What do I do? And so in my prayer time, the Spirit just said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put a exclamation point on what you've been preaching. So today I want to talk to you about the life of a testimony. Why is a testimony important? And, and by the way, Sarah, even yours, the period is not on the end of the sentence yet. Your testimony is never finished until the day you draw your last breath. It's not written in stone. I mean, Sarah's testimony, she could now come back to the Lord praying this don't happen and walk away again. You could be the same way. I could be the same way. 
we're all capable of having. I know some of us are going, well, I would never, never say what you won't do. Period. So let's look at the life of the Testament and what it takes and what it does. Okay, having said that, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Would you stand at the reading of God's Word? 1 Corinthians, it would help if I got there. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, you'll know this passage. Here we go. I'm going to read parts that I'm probably not really going to deal with except in in encapsulation part, and then I'm going to focus on toward the end. We'll start at verse 19. 1 Corinthians 9, starting at verse 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all. It doesn't come easy to do that. The word there is, I made myself a servant to all. When you're called, and the only way you can do that is by the power of the Holy Spirit, and I, I need not to do this, and get a, to put yourself under the feet of someone else, in a sense, is not easy. None of us want to serve. Let's just be honest. Our nature says, let's be served. Paul said, I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some." Here's really where I want to start with this. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly as aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Father, God, help us to live a life that is a testimony about your grace and your mercy, your power and your strength, but most importantly, your salvation. God, we love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Wow, Paul says, I'm careful how I run my race, lest I be disqualified, Paul says. Now, I want to tell you this. If the Apostle Paul, who I consider to be the greatest Christian, if you want to put it that way in human terms, because the truth of the matter is, Christians are, the ground is level at the foot of the cross, but he has to be like the greatest Christian ever lived. Y'all all right. I mean, let's just be honest. And he said, I've got to run my race according to, to the rules set forth by Jesus, or else I will be disqualified. Now, if he can be disqualified, we can be disqualified. Let's be honest. So I believe the first point is this, and I'm really going to try to work straight through these. It's a life of running its race. This is what a testimony, the life of a testimony is, a life of running its race. So you have a race before you. You've got a race. Now listen, and your race is different. We're going to get to that in 2 Timothy at the very end. The race you run is different from the race I run. 
And the race I run is different from the race that others will run. But we all have a race to run. And let me tell you the basis of your race. And I believe it's, at the, it's in verse 23 right there. I do it all for the sake of the gospel. Now have this idea, have this thought, have this proof and truth in your mind. If I run my race for the gospel, Daniel runs his race for the gospel, and Kim runs his, hers for the gospel, and Susan hers for the gospel, and Joey his for the gospel, and we go around the room and we're all running our races that are on different racetracks because they're different races, but we're all heading to the same completion point, which is heaven, and we're all running on the basis of one truth, the gospel, that means we all work together. Y'all with me? Now, here's the problem with the race. Not a problem, but here's the, the, the issues of running your race. There's always going to be potholes. Matter of fact, there's going to be some potholes. There's going to be some right turns and some left turns that you're not going to see coming in your life. There's going to be some hills that you've got to climb. There's going to be some valleys you've got to go down in your race. You're going to go up, down, around, and turn. And all these ways you've got to go in your race. So to run your race, I believe this gives us four things you've got to do in a race. <coughs> if you're going to run, four things you've got to have. Number one, you've got to have dedication. You have to have dedication. And the dedication sort of is what I've already described. It's this point. Why are you running and what are you running for? If you're running to please another person, sooner or later that person will let you down. I'll let you down. You'll let me down. We'll let each other down. But So my dedication should not be in yours, should not be in me, and me should not be in you. Our dedication is to one truth, the gospel. What can I do to get the gospel out? Now, preacher, why do you say it like that? Here's why. We run and chase after everything around here, don't we? And I'm not saying that's bad. But if your whole goal in life is simply to attain to some stature or some position or some job or some thing and you do put all your eggs in that basket and then you die what you got but if you're dedicated to the gospel and in the meantime you're getting whatever i'm not saying don't go try to get what you can get i mean go do what you want to do that's fine but in the midst the gospel takes preeminence, and your whole life should be built toward winning folk through the gospel. That's why he said that he was a slave to all these people. To the weak, I'm weak. To those under the law, I'm under the law. See, what Paul said is this, ultimately, it's not about me. It's all about Christ. And it's all about the gospel. How many of us can say that and mean it? <clears throat> are we dedicated to the gospel of Jesus? Or are we dedicated to the gospel of self? I fear <coughs> many of us are dedicated to what we perceive as a gospel that's not a biblical gospel. Number two, told you i got to move fast. There's got to be discipline. There's got to be discipline. Notice what it says. 
So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control. Isn't that discipline? Can I tell you what I believe is lacking in the Christian church today? Self-control. And I believe it affects all of us, starting with me. That at times we lack self-control. That we don't take what this Bible says and make our life by this. See, I was watching a basketball game. Uh, Boo-hoo, Duke won. But could you imagine in the midst of the basketball game last night, man? So UVA's losing, and all of a sudden they're like, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're just going to go start breaking people's legs. Okay, you get thrown out, you do stuff like that. Because why? It's not according to the rules. Or if you're wrestling. Let's, you know how high school wrestling is nowhere near as good as the NWA used to be. Y'all all right? WCW. That's when, you know, all them dudes were there. Could you imagine, though, in a high school match, this dude, all of a sudden, he gets this guy, and instead of trying to put him in the grapevine or one of them things that they do, my man just stands up and suplexes his opponent. Right on the mat. What happens? He gets disqualified. How many of us, if we're not careful, are going to be disqualified because we're not running according to the rules, not of self, but of a Savior? So discipline. (coughs) Everything in you may be saying, I really want to do this, but Jesus says, I don't want you to do that, nor should you do that. And so then at that moment you say, not I, but Christ. I love it that we sang that song today. I'm telling y'all, it's like there's a God in heaven. Not I, but Christ. And you're going, but preacher, I just don't think I can do it. Why do we say that when there's a God in heaven that will give you the Holy Spirit when you've accepted Him? And if you've accepted Him, you've got the Holy Spirit. And here's what you do. You don't rely on your strength. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And now the life I now live, by, I live I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Did you catch it? I'm crucified. Crucified people can't make decisions. They're dead. Submit to the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, discernment. This goes hand in hand with the first two. Discernment. So if I'm going to discipline myself, how do I know what to follow? Discernment. It'll tell you what path to take. Because see, what the enemy wants to do, if God's up here and God's getting ready to take you, he wants you to go this way because there's a pothole right there and he's going to bend you this way. Satan's going to want to go this way. (coughs) And over here is a clean path. Over here, it's not just a pothole. You fall off a cliff. How do I know? Well, you don't ever know, but the Holy Spirit knows inside of you. And see, so that's why it's so important to know how He talks to you, to know what He's saying, to know the leading and the prompting and the drawing and the pushing away of the Holy Spirit. I love it, by the way, on Wednesday nights, Bruce has started a series on the Holy Spirit. So if you're like, I need to know more about the Holy Spirit, that's great. Come on Wednesday night. He'll be here teaching on the Holy Spirit. But He'll guide you. You'll feel that nudge where it's like, 
no, 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 no. Don't go that way. Go that way. Or you'll feel that nudge when he just goes, no. Or you'll feel that nudge. He's going, come on, this way. Come on, this way. That's what the Holy Spirit will do in discernment. He'll begin to tell you inside of you, and the more you willingly submit yourself to His control, the more you'll hear the voice of Him that's leading and prompting and guiding. By the way, if you go to John chapters 14, 15, and 16, you find all about the Holy Spirit. He guides you into all truth. He convicts you of sin. Hello. Isn't that what I was just saying He'll do? He'll say, don't do that. Or he'll say, go do that. So you need discernment. But here's the most important one. You need duration. You know, when I first was a pastor and even a youth pastor, and I was doing everything and I thought it was clever, I'm like, man, it's, it's not easy. It's just the hardest thing you'll ever do. I was so wrong. It's not the hardest thing you'll ever do to live the Christian life. That's not the hardest thing to do. Living the Christian life is the most impossible thing you'll ever do. Because you can't do it. Only one person has ever done it. Jesus Christ Himself. But here's what He says. If you'll accept Me, I'll live it through you. That's, that's why, listen, amen, that's a great place for amen. He says, if you'll accept Me, I'll live it through you. That's why Galatians 2.20 is so important. I've been crucified by Christ. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And he says, I'll live in you with my Holy Spirit, and I will lead you, I'll guide you, I'll direct you. So when it gets hard, two things that are involved in, in the duration process, endurance and patience. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, let us run the race with endurance. I've told you guys so many times, I'm 53 years old. I know that surprises some of you. I look 28. I feel 92. <laughs> I played golf yesterday. I can barely move today. Me and Aleve are loving each other today, y'all. I took it yesterday and I took it today. But I'm telling you, man, I've got a good... Shane, you remember back in the day, boy, we was playing basketball, man, and me and you were ripping up and down the court. We were just... Boy, I couldn't get past free throw line today. <laughs> you with me? <laughs> I'm good three steps. Bro, I got, three, I got three good steps in me. The fourth step, I'll pull my hamstring in both legs, Miss Susan. I'll pull calf muscles in both legs. I promise you, my back will go out. And for some odd reason, when all that happens, my shoulder will hurt. <laughs> Anybody can start a race, can't they? Can you stay in the race, though? I've never really given my son a lot of props about a lot of stuff. I don't want him to get the big head. But I'll take that. And that dude used to run cross country. I don't know how he did it, man. That dude had two different types of asthma. I mean, he did, dude, to, for him to run a race, y'all, this is a true story. For him to run a race, he had to take two types of inhalers to run. 
And he would be coming at the end of a race, and I would sort of catch him because I would always know how to get around the course, so I'd catch him. And my man would just be struggling, yet his time never slowed up. And he would get to the end of the race, and I mean, so often he would get past it, and he can't breathe, and he's looking for another shot of inhaler, man, and he just sort of falls over the finish line. And I'm like, my Lanta, dude. And I'd say, bro. And here's what he'd tell me. Dad, you just can't quit, man. And I said, what do you do when you're running? Here's what he told me. I just always try to pass the next guy ahead of me. No matter how hard it was. And listen to this. Here's where it ties in. Because I knew the finish line was coming. You don't stay in the valleys or on the mountains because sooner or later the finish line does come. And it'll be worth it. You endure all the hardships, all the heartaches, all the hurts, all the pulled muscles, all the strained relationships, all the this, and you run with endurance. Because that endurance brings about patience. And just flip really quick. This is going on. Really quick. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Or oh, you don't have to. It's talking about the testing of your faith with its endurance. Count it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds, when you face various kinds. You know that the testing of your faith produces patience and steadfastness. It's produ- God is not a God of wrath. And by the way, when I get back from there, and when I get there on that last Sunday night, I'm going to begin a Sunday night series. I'm going to take over for a while, brother. This will be your last one for a while. I'm going to take over because I want to preach about the love of God, the wrath of God. I want to sort of have an apologetics for maybe the rest of the year where we talk about just who God is and just what should we believe. Maggie, I want you to be here for everyone, sister, because I want to help just fill you up and give you because times are getting dark. And you got to know what you believe firmly. God's not just a God willy-nilly to give wrath and sit back in heaven and laugh at you. God is always doing a work. Some of you here today, you may be struggling like nobody's business. Listen to this old preacher. Stay in the race. Stay in the race. Stay in the race. Don't give up. Because God will never give up on you. You may fall, and you may skin your knees, and you may skin your elbows, and you may bruise your head, and you may bruise this. God is still with you. That's number one. That's a life. So you got to run that race. That's encouraging, wasn't it? How hard it's going to be. Number two, here's how you run that race. I'm gonna, it's going to be jumping off on that point of duration, a life of pressing on. Go now to Philippians chapter 3. Go to Philippians chapter 3. I'm making pretty good time. Children's church is not happening today, so I'm not rushed for that. Guys should have brought y'all some food today. Philippians chapter 3. Notice on the life of pressing on. Here it is. Starting at verse 12. Not that I've already obtained or am already perfect, but I, here it is, press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. What a great word. Did y'all hear that? I press on to make it my own 
talking about everything that he had just talked about right up in verses 9 and 10 and 11, to have the power of the resurrection residing in him and the power of that truth residing in him because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything, anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have all told you and now tell you with tears walk as enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their glory is in their shame, whose mind set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Pressing on is about a determination about a life in Jesus. Why do I press on? That, that word press on means to, to hasten, to run, to pursue. That word press on, it's the idea of a, you, you've seen a man, that these runners that are running the 100 yard dashes in the Olympics or whatever, and these dudes, I mean, they are within one hundredth of a second, but you get to the end, what do they all do? Press their neck out. How do you run the Christian race? You are straining and you're running and you're hastening to see everything about Jesus, to go that way, to live like He calls us to live. It's like a runner with the neck stretched out. This determination about a life in Jesus comes in four areas. Number one, it's a studying life. It's a studying life. Ken, we were talking this morning about all the conversations that I had this morning with VDOT and Doug and, and those people. And, and, she, and she's like, well, I was up and I was getting ready. about, And I then got the phone call. She said, so in all of my hustle and all of my bustle, I love this. She said, then I just took a deep breath and sat down and read my Bible. You make a conscientious decision to study God's Word. Whether you get up earlier, whether you maybe stay up a little late, I don't know. Maybe you take, I know some people, some of you guys have told me that on your lunch break, you go sit in your car, you open your Bible. Here's what I'm telling you. It doesn't matter the time. It just matters that you do. It's a studying life. It's a life where you just get your Bible and you get alone and you say, Lord, speak to me. You just get you a good cup of coffee or or some Pepsi or Arnold Palmer, a glass of water, I don't know, or something, and you just sit there and you just sort of ruminate, as the old folks used to say. You just sort of ruminate on it. You let God speak to your heart as you read it. And, as, and by the way, you know me, I'm not worried about the quantity of amount that you read, but just that you read. Let God... Come into your heart. But it's not just a studying life, which is so important. It's also a growing life. Because here's what will happen. As you study, you'll begin to grow. You, you won't understand it. You won't even notice it. But you'll begin to grow in your faith. 
when I was first pastoring and first preaching and I went to a conference and I heard this preacher man and he stood up. He'd been in it for years upon years upon years. And he would just stand up and he would quote verses off the cuff. And I'm going, man, why, why can't I be like that? And some old boy told me, he said, just stay at it. And you don't even know that you know what you're reading and you're memorizing. And then now, so many times when I just throw Scriptures out, I'm like, man, I don't even remember learning that. But it comes from the Holy Spirit taking some little bit of fruit that I've given Him, that I've put inside of me because I've planted that seed of His Word. And the Holy Spirit says, hey, remember this verse. And by the way, let me tell you and remind you what it says. You grow. You don't stay the same. We're going to get to a part of Hebrews, the end of chapter 5 and end of chapter 6, where it says, you're still on milk when you should be on meat. Milk you get from somebody else. Hello, you should not just get all of your words of Jesus and all of your Bible knowledge from me on a Sunday morning for about 35, 40 minutes. You should get most of it on your own. It's a focused life. When you focus on the things of the Lord. Focus on your job, absolutely. But in the midst, you focus on Jesus at every point. You'd be surprised how often you can work Jesus into your workplace if you'll just listen. If you're focused when you're going in the morning, here's a simple prayer. Seriously. Father God, today just put somebody in my path that I can speak your name to. Make it very obvious to me. Simple prayer, isn't it? See, we think prayers got to be these, these long prayers that have got these beautiful things in it. Man, prayer is just talk to Jesus. I don't care how beautiful it is. I don't alliterate my prayers, y'all. Man, you just pray your prayer. Here, I'm going to give you quickly. People ask me, one of, when people really get hold of this, they say, Preacher, but I don't know how to pray. And I, and I know y'all accuse me of sarcasm and all that, and I got a touch of that. But here's what I'll say back. It's okay, sir. Hold your face, okay? Just talk to God. You know how to talk, don't you? Hello? Do you know how to converse with someone else? I mean, I'll tell them, I was like, have you ever had a conversation with another human being? Yes. I'm like, Jesus was a human, is a human. Just talk to Him. You don't have to be so flowery and just talk. Man, you think a soldier, when he's in a foxhole, he's going to think about how to say all these beautiful prose about praying? Or what does that brother say? Lord, help me. There are times that's a great prayer. Focus on Jesus in everyday life. And then lastly about this, in this determination, when you press on, it's a fixed life. It's a fixed life. You know, going back to that runner, everybody has their lane, Right? Y'all see this whole thing going on about this, right? He has his lane. That, okay, so you focus on your two lane parts, but the, it's fixing where I'm supposed to run, or else we go back to that disqualified thing. If I'm in lane seven, I don't get to run in lane eight and lane six too, trying to bump those guys out of the way. I have to run in my fixed lane. 
Do what God calls you to do. Had a great conversation with some young guys. I don't know if, it, if Daniel, you were in this conversation. You, you may have been there all night. I was talking to somebody. Here's what I said. I can only preach like Hank preaches. Drew cannot preach like I preach because Drew's not me no matter how much he looks and acts like me. Daniel cannot preach like either one of us. Daniel's got to preach like the intellectual that he is. I preach like my hair is on fire. Seriously, you guys ever figured out how we preach? Drew preaches, he's more of a pleading preacher. He just really uses his heart. Daniel proves things intellectually. And I, I don't know what I do other than preach like my hair is on fire. Passionately is what I would say. But it's fixed in what you do. There's also in this, we see a destination of a life in Jesus that you press on. You know why you press on? You know why you, let me, hey, listen closely. Here it is. You know why you press on in this life? You know why you run the race? You know why you do all this stuff? You know why? Not so people can come along and say, man, aren't you just the best little Christian ever, Kimmy? I mean, that's what some of us want. We want to, people to acknowledge that we're really good Christians. Kimmy, you're just such a good Christian. Just so love you. Just so good. You know what that gets Kimmy? She just said it. Nothing. And by the way, oh boy. Y'all, I'm going to skate out here on thin ice for a minute, okay? Where angels fear to tread. Some people that we would pat on the back and say, you're a really good Christian aren't even Christian. See, we look at works. Man, they're at church every time the door's open. Last time I read my Bible, and I've read various translations, and I've read in the Greek and the Hebrew, it, that don't say nothing about going to church every Sunday. Y'all too, don't, don't, don't you hear what I didn't say? Because it does say you ought to be here. But if you're counting on getting to heaven because your butt's in a padded pew every Sunday, you're wrong. Well, they worked. They were a pastor in a church or a deacon or a Sunday school teacher. You do all them things, man. If you don't know Jesus, you're not getting in. It's got to be in your heart. But we do all this for one reason. To see Jesus. I'm going to tell you, I want to go. I want to tell you again, man. I want Miss Pat, praise God. Miss Pat didn't have a clue what I was preaching today. Yet here we go singing, when we all get to heaven. Look at what this thing says. But our citizenship is where? Huh? In heaven. You have two addresses. You have wherever you live here, and you've already got one in heaven. And we're just waiting to get there. So you do all this, so it'll, I, if I could get you to understand one truth, that you don't live for the now, you live for the yet to come. Oh, that's a great truth. You live for the yet to come. I want to go back to man Shane and David's grandma. Miss June, Lord have mercy. <coughs> The woman's had over 100 surgeries, over 60 just on her throat, and she can barely talk. She talks in a whisper, but yet every time you go see her, here's the first thing she says, God is so good to me. 
See, she's not focused on what's going on here. She knows it's to come. I'm telling y'all, if this is it, this just stinks, don't it? Come on, be real for a minute. Life just at times, flat out, stinks. That's a good place for a stinking amen right there. And if this is it, that's trash, man. But it's not it. It's not it. We get to heaven, y'all. Everything you've gone through, every hurt, y'all hold on now, every heartache, every horrible thing, y'all notice I'm alliterating here. (laughs) The minute you look in the face of Jesus, it'll be worth it. I know some people, they've told me, when I get to heaven... Me and God going to have a talk. Here's what I do. <laughs> you and God going to have a talk. Yeah. Okay, y'all are. Here's a talk. God, thank you. <laughs> That's the conversation. It's not going to be wow. It's not going to be wait just one minute. It's going to be, woe is me, for I am undone. I'm gonna, I want to know why this happened. I want to know why this happened, God. No, you won't care when you see Jesus. When you see Him, two things are going to happen. Number one, you're going to see Him as He truly is, and He's a great and mighty Savior. You're going to see Him in everything else. Nothing's going to matter. And number two, as I read Scripture, your mind is going to be more open. You're not going to have this finite mind, and you're going to understand that you went through it for that moment. Great quote by Bill Parcells I love. When the Giants were playing in the Super Bowl against the Bills, sorry. And it was really tough late in the fourth quarter. And he was encouraging his team. He said, this is why you lift all them big weights. This is why you do that for this moment. I believe when you get there, you go, this is why I walked that path. This is why... This happened to get me here. I hated it. It hurt. But as I read Romans chapter 8, it doesn't compare to the glory that we'll find when we see Him face to face. Let me give you the third thing, and then I, got, I really got to hurry now. Holy moly, I got to hurry. Oh, Atlanta, I'm going to give you the... I ain't even got to the best part yet. I'm, I'm, don't worry. Hey, the last one is a decision for a life in Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get... This is probably the most important part. I'm going to hit it a lick and go on. It's about saving, getting saved. John 3, 16. Decision for... If you want to press on, first thing you got to do is know Jesus. For God so loved the world that He gave... His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. Translate it, you shall be born again. You've got to make the decision to follow before you ever do the first two. 
And let me hurry. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Seriously, I got about 10 minutes and I got to do this quick. Y'all, we got to go. A life well lived. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through this quickly today. But when I come back, and I'm here that 28th or 26th, whatever that Sunday night is, I'll go back over this before I dive in on apologetics, okay? So just hang in there. All you guys, everybody here got to come back that night, okay? A definition of a... What I write? A definition to describe a life well lived. According to Paul. Number one, you fight the good fight. You fight the good fight. The word, the word there means a, it's a worthy, it's a noble, it's an honorable fight. It's a fight. The fault, word fault there, he, when it, Paul says, I have fought the good fight, it means to engage in a conflict. He fought daily. Friends, can I tell you this? Some of you don't realize you're in a fight every day. There's a fight going on right now. You guys don't understand it, but every time a man stands to preach God's Word, there's a battle for your minds and your hearts and your well-being in those pews. There's a battle that we don't see in this sanctuary where the forces of the enemy are fighting to get you distracted. They're fighting to make you not hear, especially if you're not a believer. They're fighting to get you to not come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's happening right now. You don't see it, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. You can write Philippians, go look at Philippians 1.13, Ephesians 6. And right here, if you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, share in the suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We'll talk more about it. That's the soldier part. Then he says you want to finish the race, the athletic part. Paul says in Acts chapter 13 and Acts chapter 20, here's what he said to, these, to the groups he was with. I just want to finish my race well. I'm telling you guys, man, and we all know them, a lot of people stumble to the, to the finish line, don't they? Let's just be honest. They'll get there and they'll just stumble. I was watching a thing on Instagram yesterday, one of these little reels, and the headline was, he celebrated too soon, and a guy was running like a 100-yard dash, and he got right to the end about this far, and he looked at the two guys and he went, and he fell on his face. That close. How many of us in our Christian life will get that close and wipe out? And everything we've done for Jesus, all that's remembered is how we finished. Not how we ran, how we finished. I want to finish well. I don't want to, I, I don't want to, sometimes, can, I'm going to make somebody mad here. Sometimes the older we get, we get a little crotchety. Let's not. Just let's love Jesus, man. Sometimes we let down our guard when we get older. Let's not. Don't let your guard down. Some of you are in the fourth quarter of your life. The game's not over. 
finish the race. And I was thinking as Paul, as I was praying about this, as Paul was writing, and he says, I have finished my race. A lot of people will get to the end of their life and say, man, I wish I'd been able to do this, and I wish I'd have done that for Jesus. I wish I'd have spent more time. I wish I'd have done this for Jesus. Do you get any of that with Paul? I believe if Paul penned those words, this is just me. Maybe he put down his pen for just a minute, and he began to think through the Damascus Road time. The face of Ananias showed up in his memory bank. Maybe he went to Philippi and Lydia was there. Maybe the first time he saw Barnabas and they went to Antioch. Maybe he saw Mark leave, but then we know that him and Mark came back together and he said he's useful in my ministry. And so he began to see the faces of all those people that he worked with for the kingdom. All the places that he's been. And I believe he said, I completed everything you gave to me, Jesus. Isn't that how you want to finish? Not going, oh, I should have done this at that point because I had an opportunity to go on this mission trip and I had an opportunity to go on that mission trip but I was too scared or I didn't trust you enough to get me the funds or I, didn't, I had this reason or I didn't share the gospel with this person and they died too soon and now I'm afraid they're in hell. Oh, Paul never had that. He said, I finished my race completely. He said, I've walked my last mile for you, Jesus. I've preached my last sermon for you, Jesus. I've written my last letter for you, Jesus. We know at the very end of this, shortly after Paul penned these words, he gave his life for the gospel. Will we? And then lastly, he said this, I have kept the faith. Word kept means to guard it. It means you, you don't let nothing, nothing, not some man, not some woman, not some ideology, not some fad, not some nothing, nothing separates you from this. Anything that attempts to come between you and Jesus, you ought to get rid of it. Paul said, I never went the way of the Gnostics. I never went the way of the Pharisees once I left and found out the truth. There's ever a day that we need to say to each other, let's keep the faith. It's today. They'll try to tell you that we as Christians need to evolve. I don't need to evolve. I need to stay firm. Right here in this book. And then why do I do it? Last thing, and then I'm done. I'm, old. I'm not done. I'm just going to quit. 
a de designation for a life well lived. Do you see what he says here? Paul says, and then, henceforth there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness. You get a crown. Stephanos. That you get to throw back at the feet of Jesus. Can I ask you this question? Are you making preparations in your testimony now by living the way God wants you to live? So when they roll you down this center aisle and you're in a coffin, will you be standing in front of Jesus? And he would say, well done, my good and faithful servant. What are you going to hear in that moment? What will be the period about your testimony when you draw your last breath? Thanks for listening to the Marian message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.